Food Court, the movie podcast where Sean and John watch shit, talk shit, and most importantly, eat shit. We are the law. Hi, John. Welcome back to the show. How are you? That is a um, one of my favorite songs of all time by the, I think he's a Hindi entertainer, oh, Delur, okay. Delur Mahindi. And the reason I brought it up is this movie that we watched today. Yes. What movie is It's sort of, it's called. <laughs> is it? It sort of sent me through like where I want to get back into um, Indian arts and entertainment because it was such a, it was like, you ever watch a movie where it becomes a touchstone for your relationship with something sure. like, like the first time maybe you, you saw drunken master and that was yeah. the, the, the entree into the world of Kung Fu flicks or maybe Absolutely. It was enter the dragon or I can't remember what my first Kung Fu movie. I think drunken master was my first. The move, I, I, not to spoil the uh, spoil the dish, but uh, the, the, watching this movie that we watched today reminded me the most of watching Iron Monkey. Did you ever watch Iron Monkey? Yeah, it was a Yuen Woping wire foo flick. Oh yeah, that introduced me to a whole world of the kind of like Matrix esque. I, I guess this movie, but it's it, the Matrix is not a good comparison because I don't think it has that type of effect. But as as far, mm-hmm. but because this is like a cultural thing almost. It's like opening a door to a wondrous new world and it, yes. th- it threw me back to i used to love this this singer um star named delure mahindi and uh i didn't think i didn't think it could get better i thought delure mahindi was the height of uh indian singer songwriter record producer entertainer but now i know things just keep getting better sean yeah they just keep yes. getting better we watched Rise, Roar, Revolt. I don't know if that's the order of them, but wait, is that the order? It, that makes rise, sense. Roar. Maybe Roar would go first. I mean, I feel roar, like you'd roar. Rise, you know, honestly, I would roar as I was rising. Rise and roar, and then next revolt. Right. It's called RRR for sure, Arr. which must might be easier to say if you're Indian. It's very hard for me to say as a person who's not great with R's anyway, where I have to go right. RRR. Yeah, or, like, or, or. like the reason we don't say your last name Parrot on yeah. the show is because Sean actually can't pronounce it and just says Sean Powat. <laughs> My name is Sean Powat. <laughs> so yeah, I, I always, I always had a lot of admiration for the British um, pundit Jonathan Ross for being so prolific when he can't pronounce his own name. Like truly oh, yes. amazing. Pronounces which... all of his R's as as W's. Oh yeah, doesn't give a damn, or at least doesn't yeah. show it. I mean. I guess once you become an old guy, you're just like, oh, who cares? I mean, he sounds like Madeline Kahn from like Blazing Saddles (laughs) or something and doesn't give a damn. Sure. He's the, is he not the. Using words like reverence when he can't say any of them. He is the, uh, the priest in Princess Bride, right? Who? Ross. Jonathan Ross is in Princess Bride? Wait, who is the priest in Princess Bride? No, that's one of the. Ah, uh, fuck. I don't know. <laughs> He's the guy who was on that radio show with um, Dudley Moore. Oh, uh, Peter Cook? Yes, that's who yes. it is. Okay, yeah. Peter Yeah, Peter Cook. Does he have a speech impediment, too? God, I'm learning so much. He has, a, at the very least, a fake speech impediment in uh, in Princess Bride. 
Okay, I think it is fake because Peter Cook, he's just a, a a roguish devil master comedian. I think is he a devil? Well, he play he was the devil in Bedazzled. Oh shit, that's the true. original Bedazzled. So that's damn. Why I always remember him. Throwing it way back. Sean just set me up over here. Like, hey, set, I me set, up up. Sh- set me up to show off. You knock him down. My my knowledge of my expertise is so limited that you have to get really. <laughs> You have to really talk about Peter Cook exactly because that's all okay. I know about. <laughs> but yeah, um, we watched RRR. Um, do you want to try to do the plot of this thing, <sighs> or should I try to do the plot of this thing? I have such a complicated relationship with our plot summaries because they're such make or break moments for the show. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to try. Okay, it is the story of two um, Indian. Uh, revolutionaries mm-hmm. and the director has put forth the supposition that what if these two great revolutionaries had met and been friends maybe mm-hmm. even rivals and in this one it's a complicated Frenemies. yeah in this one it's a complicated internal affair infernal affairs the departed-esque yes. um uh uh you know inside man type plot where oh yeah both men are not who they seem as far as the role they're put forth, but their true selves are being shown to each other. And that's why they have this gravitation towards each other as mm-hmm. they navigate this labyrinthine plot. And I, boy, is it labyrinthine. You have, and this is where I'm going to get in big trouble. You have NTR. I can't remember his full name, but I know he's known as NTR, Ramo Rao. Um, oh, yes. As, uh, as Beam. Beam slash Octar. Yes. Who uh, we learn his uh, sister has been stolen from the village by a white colonialist, mm-hmm. and then our My second lead, lead Ram, mm-hmm. is <clears throat> at first we are, are we um he he is a policeman within the colonialists for the colonialists, um, but as we'll learn, there's a um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of sleight of hand between the two as to what the what their roles really are throughout, and we watch the. I don't want to give away any too much, so we just watch these two guys through this truly like epic revolutionary story that you don't even know is a revolutionary story for the first two thirds of the film. Yes, and this is a this is a Tollywood production, which is different from Bollywood. Okay, it's, uh, it's in South India, Telugu uh, language film. Which uh, so Bollywood is the biggest film industry in the world, mm. and then um, then America, and then Tollywood. So they have they you know they have the two of the three biggest industries within one country. Shit, um, but one this big ass country. I had I was somewhat familiar with Bollywood films. Um, this is only like my third or fourth Tollywood film, and I think this is the one that has pushed me over the precipice to like try to get into this. Yes, if you our regular watcher of these sorts of movies, we have no idea what movie to go watch. Yeah. The reason I watched this is because I saw so many people writing about it who like usually don't write about these kinds of movies. Can I, can I discuss why I went to watch this? Yes. Because Sean Parrott wanted to see a movie at 9 15 PM. Furthermore, Uh, a three three hour hour movie (laughs) that he had already seen at 9 15 PM. What? I've already seen it twice. Oh, this was your third time. Mm-hmm. So this is and I'm going again today, by the way. So, um, of course, this, this, <laughs> this is a movie that a guy who does not stay up late under yeah. any circumstances where I'm no. not. It doesn't matter if it's uh, tits or grits are on the plate. 
that he mm-hmm. is not staying up. He's going to bed. And he was like, hey, uh, and he was trying to play it cool, too. And he was like, hey, uh, you want to maybe go see RRR at 915 tonight? And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. I was like, this is either like the big kiss off where Sean leads me into there, does the popcorn trick, only instead of his dong, it's like a Colt 45. Yeah. Blows me away. Or this is like a truly amazing movie and Sean wants to see my reaction to it. And f- luckily for me, it was the latter. Mm. And it was something. I, I mean, I'm, I can't wait to take people to this movie and then just turn and watch their face instead yes. of watching the movie. <laughs> oh, yes. It's definitely the Malignant of 2022. Yes. It, you know, I I thought Malignant was going to have real staying power as like my favorite movie we'd done on the podcast for a while. It mm-hmm. was Upgrade. Then it was an upgrade was it had a long reign, I feel. Yes. And then Malignant took it. And I thought Malignant was going to be, you know, kind of my pet for, you know, five years probably. But yeah. now it's. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, it's a movie that um, is consistently surprising. Yeah. In like the way things are revealed in the plot, but also just in the way everything works. Right. <clears throat> It, in this we like the actors are somewhat down to earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the performances are, I mean, a little little over the top, but relatively naturalistic. But then, the and I think we should. Beca- I think we should discuss what the actors are in this movie because they are enormous stars. Okay. Yes. Who kind of put themselves and their image into the roles. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like, you know, we don't really have, we have Denzel and we have Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise's is completely artifice. Yes. And we used to, and we had Will Smith for, for a bit mm. there. Thankfully, mer- mercifully over. Yes, uh, thank <laughs> But these guys, you know, they are multi-entertainment facet superstars. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, they, they can get away with just kind of being themselves. Mm-hmm. But like doing it in like that John Wayne, like Steve McQueen, like I'm cool. I know I'm cool. Yeah. I'm just going to exist on screen. Although I think, you know, the Rom character, whose character is probably a little more complex, in a, in yes. a, in a, you know, uh, traditionally speaking, that guy had to do a bit more acting. But, you know, yes. I, the other guy did, too. He had to throw uh, uh, an art. I, I, I'm going to keep messing up his name. But Ram Morale Jr. He, he had to do. He like he didn't have to show as much pathos, but he had to show a lot of tenderness. But another yes. thing about these movies is like after watching this movie, it's hard for me to take uh, American Superstar seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like with after you watch the Jackie Chan movies and you're like see him doing and Michelle Yeoh, and you see them doing all these dangerous things, and you're just like, man, our movie stars are just like banknotes, just like insured, sure. you know, artificial icons whereas because these guys not only could you see them doing lots of the stunts all of the fight scenes oh yeah the dancing yeah i mean these are two of the best dancers in the world yes and this is part of their whole thing you know dancing's beautiful the singing the dancing everything that they it requires them like i don't have i we throw around the term like superstar you know you know movie star mm-hmm. a lot on the shows like this and it's like now I feel silly using it to describe, you know, Ansel Elgort. 
Yes, he's or definitely Timoth- not. Especially like Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. Hansel Elgort probably deserves it more than a lot of guys because he's, yeah, he's, he's a, a good dancer. dancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, he's you know, a pretty good singer, great dancer. But like, even guys like Denzel, like my one of my favorite, you know, actors of all time, it's like, just just an actor. Kinda, yes. You know, sometimes he's fat in movies. Yep. <laughs> These guys. Sometimes he gains weight, sometimes he loses weight. <laughs> These guys, like, transform their bodies and souls and dance moves and, uh, yeah. you know, like, their Spotify careers for their roles. Yes. It's like yeah. a – it's really insane. It was – it was it, it's wild to watch uh, an industry that functions like this in comparison to ours. And I wonder if this is what we're moving towards. But the, the, the sheer talent and ability – on display in, in these types of films. And specifically this one was like kind of majestic. Yeah. Yeah. You can't believe how talented they are. I yeah, mean, you can't, you're like, this is, this is absurd. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like their opening scenes are sort of pure, like Buster Keaton esque power moves. It's mm-hmm. just like showing how athletic they are. The, uh, Rama's first scene, um, Ram, sorry, Ram. I guess he's called Ram and Rama and a few a few other names. <laughs> they yeah. all they all have like four names um, within the movie, in addition to their regular <laughs> regular guy names. But Ram, the uh, we'll, we'll go with Beam and Ram from now Beam on. Beam and Ram, yes, <laughs> the, the total badass Ram. His first scene is beating up hundreds and hundreds of Indian people. <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> he just beats them up. He like tosses them through the air he breaks their faces he breaks their toes he throws them down a cliff he does all this like huge monster stuff and it see i mean obviously people are working with him but he seems like he's legitimately pushing many many people uh, in a of a crowd out of the way it has it has to be described a little more in depth than what you've put forth i think it's not that he's fighting a bunch of people Jackie Chan ninja style where Mm-mm. they come one at a time. Mm-mm. He is at the scene of a Zulu-esque uprising mm-hmm. where an entire community is besieging this police station yeah. with fire and pushing the fence down. Yeah. And he goes into the sea of humanity wading through it against the tide. Mm-hmm. Not even beating everyone's ass, just moving through people trying to beat his ass. Yes. And it is preposterous. Yeah. But the, and this whole movie is preposterous yet exhilarating. Yes. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, they just sell it right. I yeah. mean, it really reminds me of the Yuen Wo Ping Iron Monkey movies where people are bouncing on their head on pillars. Yeah. Uh, but it's fine. It's fine. Yes. It's cool. <laughs> yes. I mean, from the mo- from the first moment he like jumps into the air and flies over a fence. You're like, OK, I get I get this. He can not fly, but he can jump about 30 feet into the air pretty easily. Right. So I know what kind of person this is. He's just maybe 10 or 15 times stronger than everyone in this in this uh, huge sea of people. So that's who he is. Yeah. And and then we see Beam and he is um, running fast. Right. He's just running. They just show him run so fast, fast as fuck. He's so fast. So fast. <laughs> and he's shredded. He's just, I mean, he's, it seems like he gains and loses weight, or yeah, at least should, maybe he should has. Should we talk about Beam's body? Probably face? I don't know. It's hard to tell. Beam's body. Well, there's two things. Beam's body, he either kind of alternates between chunky and then like 
Miami Beach diet just get shredded for a minute, you know, get shredded yeah. for a few weeks and do a couple of pivotal scenes, drink a Diet Coke right for the take, get the striations <laughs> of 44-inch Python's brother. Yeah. Or I thought about this afterwards. As ripped as Beam is, yeah. he might he just might not be as ripped as like the Chris Evans in Captain America level ripped that Rom is. So when we yeah. see them next to each other, it's just like, okay, you're just a normal man now when you are not a normal man. Yes. It's kind of like Dolph Lundgren and uh, Sylvester Stallone and Rocky, you know? Oh yeah. You just, uh, Sylvester Stallone had to get on human growth hormone just to compete. Sure. <laughs> I, I mean, I would too. And I'm, I pretty sure there was, I'm pretty sure there was some Jaguar hormones going on on the set of Arr as well. Cause these dudes are apocalyptically jacked. They're huge. And it's it's also weird because, like, I mean, most huge dudes, they, like, show them being huge for a long time. Yeah. But, I mean, they're shirtless for maybe two minutes. <laughs> like, until the very end when um, Rom gets super shirtless and sh- starts shooting people with arrows. Uh, Rom literally becomes, like, a Hindi deity. <laughs> yes. He does. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, it's wonderful. Um but we have to talk about something very important. Our B flame year of this picture. Ooh. John, drop some positivity on me. What's the very best part? There's so many good parts, but what the You mean besides the, the leading men being unfathomable combinations of like Buster Keaton, uh Gene Kelly and uh, John Wayne besides that? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, and I Arnold think my favorite thing about the Yes, yeah, you're not kidding. I think my favorite <laughs> thing about the movie is that this movie truly could have been a silent film mm-hmm. and you would have understood everything that took place because the storytelling is so rock solid mm-hmm. and you know and i and they are even doing some really cool stuff with like using both hindi and telugu and english like they kind of use all three languages and it works together seamlessly for us who are who are watching like did you was there any point you struggled with fa- 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 figuring out what was going on. Mm-mm. That's kind of amazing because it's an insanely convoluted plot with three languages. Yes. Two of which are subtitled for us and yeah. people switching in and out. But just the the um, the visual language is so strong and the director was so good at telling his story, which, which was an insane amalgamation of like uh, special effects and insane camera moves. And, th- you know, these are movies where Bollywood, Tollywood pictures, you have – essentially dance music videos exploding into your movie. Yes. And this guy, instead of having the dance music video, so kind of how these Bollywood pictures for me a lot would play out is those huge heroic introduction scenes and the music video, mm-hmm. that element, the the big dance numbers would kind of stick out like sore thumbs with the rest of the movie. They would be like, okay, we're going to have the big heroic introduction scene, incredibly badass. We're also going to have a huge musical number, incredibly badass with, you know, cameras on cranes swooping around and everything. But then the rest of the movie will be shot kind of dissimilar to that. Oh, okay. This movie doesn't do that. You kind of stay in the flow of these amazing introduction scenes and this amazing dance numbers. Yeah. The entire film. Yeah. Um, you know, this movie, when it is at its most boring, mm-hmm. has the feel of an Indiana Jones movie. Yes. During the down times. Yes. That is insane. Yes. Um, and it has but, that same you know. Indiana Jones thing where it's like, okay, maybe there's a minute, maybe there's two minutes where something doesn't happen, where people are talking in a room. 
Yeah. And then something else insane happens and people run really far or they get in a truck or they. It sounds absurd. And also we should mention like Indian films are often three to four hours with an intermission. Um, Yeah. This movie's three hours. I, I didn't want it to end and there's no fat, no fat. Um, It just, just, I guess. So yeah, my hero is the director's just done an unbelievable job of, I've been watching a movie. I watched a movie recently called The Northman. Yes. <clears throat> that also deals both of these movies are trying to tell mythological, culturally iconic stories. Mm-hmm. The Northman is fine. Mm-hmm. Looks really cool. You never have any emotional impact. There's no emotional heft. And a lot of that comes from the writing and the structure of it. Because mm-hmm. the, the you know Eggers from the North and David not David Eggers Robert, Robert Eggers yeah he does some really cool shots he's a master at you know getting these kind of like Hellenistic looking long long shots that have all this really cool stuff in it but he doesn't it, it feels like he's working from like a very loose template as far as script structurally mm-hmm. whereas this is a you know Paul Newman. Robert Redford, the Sting, Butch and Sundance type, yes. tight as a drum uh, script mm-hmm. that that still has the freedom for the or not the freedom, it is constructed as such to where the director is able to do all this amazing shit. I mean, it really felt like mm-hmm. you know Spielberg's West Side Story meets like a Rennie Harlan action movie with mm-hmm. Ewan Woping choreography. It was so neat and so cool. And like, yeah, it really was one of the best theater theatrical experiences I've ever had. Yeah. And, I, and I've clapped my hands and pumped my fists like a child. Oh yes. Um, insane. Well, that brings me perfectly to my, uh, raising my hands in the, uh, in the air with my fists clench moment. Um, when we are, as I said, when we're first introduced to Beam, uh, he is trying to catch a wolf, but he ends up catching a tiger because the tiger beats up the wolf, and he has to do big muscle stuff to show off his big muscles, and then they drug the tiger. And um, yeah. a few more times, we are hinted at the tiger still being in town with them. Um, there's like a, they get to like huge legs of lamb or some shit and put it mm-hmm. into a a secret door and all we hear is <laughs> so we're like, Oh shit, the tiger's still in there. Um, and then, uh, they, as, as they are planning on getting Molly out of this, uh, this colonial kind of, it's like a palace slash uh, compound. compound. Yeah. yeah. Palatial compound run by Ray Stevenson. <laughs> yes. Terrifying Punisher war zone, man. Um, and, uh, they, they do this big, uh, thing where they break in, they've got this truck. It's super awesome, and uh, they do a little Tokyo drift as they come in. Uh, one guy on the top, one of the brothers or friends, or I don't know. They they call each other brothers, but I think they're probably just friends. Um, <laughs> but so it's a both... tri- it's a tribe. It's a yes. like a southern tribe. Yeah. of people. He he uh, rolls up a big tarp that's over the back of the truck. The guy who's driving hits this thing that opens a bunch of cages. <laughs> And you see Beam, like, fly out of the side with two torches in his hands, flaming torches. And then you see uh, what you now realize is uh, the work of many months trying to catch animals. Because there's, like, a leopard, there's a tiger, there's, like, deer or something, there's a whole bunch of different wolves, 
just tons and tons of animals. And they do the big time, super duper slow-mo. And like, you see them from the side and sort of like a Marvel team up shot. Like, like, uh, like they're going to do Marvel versus DC. So you see every one of the characters flying out sideways and then they cut to head on looking straight up at him as he flies towards us with the torches. And it's just so like, yeah, it's an an exploding Trojan horse of Dr. Doolittle terrors. Yes. It's it's Noah's, it's Noah's arc of battle. It's completely insane. And what's so cool about this movie is like, so what Sean just described, if it sounds absurd, it is. Yes. But this movie, and if it was endless absurdity of that style of the high CGI, slow motion Zack Snyder, 300 mm-hmm. overly orchestrated. Uh, but this movie does not feel green screeny at all, by the way. No. But obviously has tons of tons of use of it. But, but, sure. um, but this movie, it doesn't stay in those realms. So you don't get tired of it. Yes. Uh, it, it has like more traditional action set pieces and it has, you know – like the great, the huge dance scene, you know, is completely, you know, practical and yeah. amazing to watch. And it, but the, the real secret is just the high energy that doesn't stop. Yes, it doesn't feel like you know in a Marvel movie. My biggest problem is it feels like we've got okay now we've got our like punch up comic directors like our Russo brothers. They're directing these scenes with the character you know development, and then we mm-hmm. move to like the sec like the action directors do all the action scenes and they're mm-hmm. all kind of look like, you know, video game cutscenes. That's that, that there's no connective tissue there for me, mm-hmm. really. Even, even at the best of times, it just feels, you know, that, that's kind of like what we lost with the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies feel like they're, it's the work of one guy, one guy's vision. That's why yes. like, I, I know Michael tore the Batman a new bunghole on this very podcast, but yeah. I feel like, that feels like Matt Reeves's picture. Yes, absolutely. It feels like the work of one director. It doesn't feel like the work of the Disney Studios. Yes, you know, lots of people underneath. And this, this is like this movie for better or for worse because it's kind of like a a rah rah politically bizarre, maybe even frightening movie, overly jingoistic, nationalistic. Oh, absolutely! It, it is definitely the director's vision, and I sure wish I could pronounce his name, but I can't. Let's see. <laughs> Let me go. I'm going to say S.S. Roger Mooley. That's my. Uh, that's my. Yeah. Let me. I don't know if that's right, but I. You. You saw me try. Yeah. Um, I think also there's there's a thing in there where um, uh, it does it doesn't always do the big CG thing as you mentioned. It doesn't always do the big CG thing. It does it sometimes, but it it kind of goes back and forth between different things, mm-hmm. and also it seems like it rarely does the full uh, green screen environment. It seems like it's ha- like a lot of matte painting CG or like matte painting green screen stuff versus like it seems like they're actually standing on grass every once in a while, which so rarely happens yeah. in a Marvel movie. <laughs> like they're there. It seems like they're fighting on a set that is enhanced by backgrounds. And yeah, here's what's cool is we it's good enough to we just don't know. Yeah. We just don't know. They're the you know the craftsmanship is there to the point where we just don't know. Yeah, and we talked about right after the movie. Like, I don't even think CG when it's bad or not perfect or not hyper realistic is a problem. Yeah, if you know how to you make it always interesting and always kind yes. of like 
we talked about we mentioned Deep Blue Sea, which is a Rennie Harlan action movie where the sharks don't look real, mm-hmm. but the fact that they're always doing something really um, dynamic and really cool that mm-hmm. doesn't make doesn't drag your eye to it looking fake and just is like wow that's really creative mm-hmm. helps you look past like when there's a million computer generated animals running around yes. they're all doing something kind of awesome but it's not like oh it's the work of a million each each animator had an animal that they worked on no yeah. it's Raja Muli's like all right now this tiger's breaking this down which leads to this happening yes. it all it all actually matters it's yes. not just background noise it all yes. matters and that's just awesome I was also thinking earlier about like gremlins or something where mm-hmm. like, okay, the puppets look like puppets, but because of the surrounding thing, it's already been a silly movie. So you just go, okay, yeah. So there's puppets and like some of the CGs, like, you know, a, a, an elk jams its uh, horn through a guy's <laughs> arm and he's just yeah. like swinging him around and you're just like, well, cool. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Perfect. Do that. that elk jammed that guy's arm to allow him to get the key out of the guy. The guy had wrapped that the key to uh, Molly's chamber or whatever. Yeah. Which I think I just made a Thin Lizzy reference somehow. Um, uh, um, Molly's chamber? Yeah, key to Molly's chamber. Um, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it mattered. It was important. Yes. You know, you know, there's just, like, there's not fat in this movie. It's just, it's tight as a drum somehow. It's a three-hour tight as a drum epic. <laughs> yes, and I think also so many of the fights are very emotionally motivated. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the big one that we're talking about in in the middle of this square inside of a palace while fires are burning and animals are running around is mostly uh, about uh, Rom and Beam fighting. They both reveal who they truly are to each other, mm-hmm. and um, and they're they're like battling each other. So, like, that is a big moment for them that they've been teasing the whole movie. I mean, there's, like, a song from the first time they meet where it's like, you know, what will become of their friendship? Will it end in bloodshed? So, you know, something is going to happen between these guys the whole time. But um, it has weight because it's like these brother versus brother, friend versus friend. And you're like, oh, fuck. They love each other, but they have to kill each other. Oh, no. This sucks. Um, And... And it's also cool because um, even I mean, that's probably halfway through the movie. Even then, Rom hasn't truly revealed his character to his friend. There's more revelations about who he is and about his ulterior motives to come. So there's there's just like more and more revelations as things go through. Um, Okay, other things that we loved. Uh, These these are my sides of fries. I get a few more. One, um, when they first become best buds is by saving a little fisherman on a boat. A, a uh, child. A child. Yes, a little a little child fisherman. <laughs> Who is uh in in the bay, uh in the water on like a giant palm frond boat. Yes. But He's under a bridge where uh, an an overly oiled, slicked up train has caught on fire (laughs) and plunged the water, which now has caused the water around the boy in the bay to be on fire. So he is encircled in flames while on the water. And uh, the meet cute of our two uh, heroes is not a conversation. It is a knowing look from about a mile away from each other that they must tag team together to save this child. And how will they do this? Uh, which they communicate with hand gestures only. Yes. Uh, one rides a horse. 
mm-hmm. and one rides a motorcycle while cool. tied to each other yeah. uh, in a bungee bungee jump type scenario, yes. uh, leaping from the bridge uh, to the bottom of the sea yeah. uh, and then joining hands uh, to in like the most, you know, I guess it's just pragmatism at this point, Sean. Yeah. This is just what you got to do when yeah. you're doing a uh, free fall, save your, saving a child from a flaming ocean. Yes. Um, using a motorcycle, uh, bungee jump, bungee rope, and uh, and horse. Yes. Uh, you know, just, yeah, it's just what you do. And also, like, good <clears throat> things that are, like, uh, seem impractical but become practical. Like, Rom grabs a flag, and it yeah. looks like just like a weird, like, like if you happen to grab the American flag as you're jumping off a building, where it's like <laughs> so good. Oh, why is he doing that? And I thought he's doing it for important. like kid, kid rock reasons, but no. Yes, he is, <laughs> he's doing it for an actual real reason. He like splashes it through the water, and uh, they switch. Uh, he he tosses uh, the, the the flag saves him from the burning from the from the flames. Yes, the wet yes. Flag. Rom tosses the the flag to Beam, and Beam wraps the wet. Uh, the wet flag around him to protect him from burning. And it's that, oh, so good. And then they both jump off and they walk along, uh, the, the ocean floor. Uh, and they, uh, <laughs> and they do the predator. You son of a bitch handshake. Yes. Just underwater. <laughs> What's the matter, Dylan? CIA got you pushing too many pencils. <laughs> and they, they do it underwater. They walk towards each other. Like they don't need to breathe. <laughs> and then they do it underwater, and um, we see a montage of their friend of their budding friendship, which is like, uh, which is shown in various uh, just beautiful tableaus. Yeah, there's like them trying to save a sheep and getting chased by a tiny shepherd. Yeah, <laughs> there's them walking through a beautiful dusky night uh, on the train tracks. They're just becoming best buddies. Hindu squats in the savanna. Yes, <laughs> squats with a man on your back. A revealing Rimogri. <laughs> yes. Yes. And everything everything is a setup for a later punchline. Yeah. Like uh, Rom does pull ups and later his, these pull ups are important. Yeah. They're not just him showing off. Nope. Uh, Hindu, the Hindu squats that Beam does are yes. very important. Essential L- for a little, later scene. Little did you know that in Everything Everywhere All at Once, that would be the s- second best chicken fight performance in a movie this year. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's that's nuts the, or nuts that's the real loser of this for me is I just saw the Daniels film yeah. Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah. But then, like, for. Even even for creativity, this is just like, nope, get in line, gentlemen. No. <laughs> and it's also like Everything Everywhere is like one of those movies where you watch it and you go, wow, this is wild. Yeah. It is pretty wild. Yeah. But then you watch the RRR and you're like, oh, okay, so this is what wild is. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even know what wild was before now. Right. And now I've truly seen what wild is. Yes. Um, okay. A few more things before we talk shit about this movie. One, um, this is so many of these moments are just in the fight in the middle. There's probably like 15 or 20 really good moments just in the fight where they're in in the in the square of this palace and everything is on fire. Um, The reveal of Rom uh, coming to arrest Beam is uh, Like like M. Bison. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's got a hat. He's looking badass. And he rides in on a flaming carriage. Yes. 
Yes, he uh, does. And then it does a like Dark Knight style flip. The carriage, he jumps off the side of the carriage and the carriage flips while it's on fire and tosses a wheel at Beam. <laughs> Somehow a wheel is tossed off a the flaming wagon wheel. Yes. And hits him in the chest with it. Um, and they are introduced to us as the fire and the water. Yes. Uh, which I guess just represents just the kind of dudes they are. You know, Ram is fiery. Uh, Beam is like fiery. <laughs> well, he's also fiery, but he's he's like maybe one percent more chill than Ram, so he must be the water. <laughs> he's he's like Bruce Lee, where he is like water. And um, they have their fire and water moments in this battle, uh, where um, <laughs> so <laughs> they've decided to battle. They've already been battling, and then the battle goes kicks into even higher gear somehow. Somehow, uh, they, they, um, there's a big fountain that is destroyed. Well, I think I feel like Beam throws a motorcycle at it or something. Who knows? Beam something throws happens. motorcycles at various junctures during the film. He throws a lot of motorcycles. It's one of his go-to, you know, maneuvers. Yeah, that's one of his bits. Yeah, yes. Um, for for some people, you know, it's a power bomb. For him, mm-hmm. he throws a motorcycle at somebody. Yeah. And um, so there are tons of hoses flapping around like like fire hoses full of water. Yes. Uh, and then um, a bunch of fireworks get hit by a, f- a flaming something. And Rom uh, grabs a torch and a whole bunch of fireworks fly, fly around him in circles. And then we see Beam and he's holding uh, like a spinning hose. And that has like, like a, a has like a, a a gargoyle serpent's mouth still attached to it. Yes, uh, as a, as a, as a as like a something for him to hold on to. It's amazing. And it's and it's just them in like pose mode. And it's just so awesome. Just over and over, many awesome things. I feel like I'm saying too many good things about it, but I have more. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I don't. You can just keep running wild. I I, I feel like I got it all out of my system. <laughs> what about? Torture, John. Oh man, yeah, you get a, you get some real William Wallace, Passion of the Christ, yes. <laughs> yes, torture later on. Although it never, you know, it, it made my stomach turn just the right amount. Yes, it's not quite as brutal as the Braveheart stuff. No, but they not. do go at him. Yes, real cold, cold blooded. When Rom 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 captures Beam yes. and. Uh, and and tortures him, and and this is the point where you start to you know you, one could question if if Rom has become the villain of the piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rom's story has barely begun at this point, halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, Beam, but Beam, uh, it's in the second like musical interval of the of the movie, um, like basically causes a riot by singing a song while being tortured. Yes. And if that sounds unbelievable and and insane, it is. Yes, but it totally works. Like uh, you it- know absolutely works yeah <clears throat> it's there's the buildup is so strong mm. he's he's getting whipped he the the i guess he's a governor wants him to kneel to show that he's once again is, ray stevenson yes ray stevenson <laughs> as big bad governor scott wants Who rules to, in this movie yes yeah he he has one of the most important monologues about the expense of a bullet Yes. <laughs> That's uh, worth price of admission This movie alone. is tight as a drum, people. It's very important. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, he gets tortured and tortured and tortured uh, to various lengths, different kind. There's there's a regular whip, and then they bring out the bad whip, which is covered in like nails or some shit. It's fucked up. What it's amazing is as his wife, who's played by like a former Bond girl. Yes. Um, he's about to whip. You know, he's using a flail, cat of nine tails, pretty nasty looking whip uh, yeah. to flog a uh, beam. And suddenly, because she's bloodthirsty, the wife stands up and produces another cat of nine tails yes. that is wholly filled with actual nails. Yeah. Uh, rending the flesh from bone. It's it, so it, it should be absurd, but the movie, the the tone of the movie is as such that everything, anything can happen and everything fits. Yes, exactly. Which is really monumental. I would like you to take a little time talking about another part of, another favorite part of the movie for you, which you have watched about 40 times today. Would you talk to us a little bit about Natu, the main musical number? So Natu, th- Natu. This is the last great thing I'll say about this picture is that we have so much over the top madness that is kind of rooted in technical prowess and computer generated Mm. imagery and must have been so hard to pull off and must have taken the the work of, you know, uh, huge rooms with thousands of servers in them and so much, you know, so many uh, uh, CGI artists. But to me, the most exciting and compelling part of the movie is just a good old fashioned musical dance number. Yes. Of two guys just kicking it up in the dust. Oh, man. To a level like one of the greatest dance scenes I've ever seen while yeah. singing. And yes. it's a great song. Uh, yes. And the music is done by um, the director's brother. I want to credit him because the music is great. M.M. Kiravani. Ooh, okay. And uh, it, it was just so cool. And it, it let me, the thing that's fun about this movie is it led me down this rabbit hole just researching these guys. And it's kind of like the Peking Opera House tradition of, you know, Jackie Chan and those guys, where those guys trained from such a young age. Both of these actors, their fathers were huge actors and dancers. So these guys have been training their whole lives for these moments. And it really does, it could, you know, this is, you know, for, and a lot of movies, like, it's just, this is a low point. This is a lull in the movie. It's like, oh, there's no more dragons fighting, you know, elks and uh, no water versus fireworks battles. They're not walking on the bottom of the ocean anymore. They're just going to dance. Yeah. And not only is it not a letdown, it's to me, it's the best part of the movie. And I just yeah. keep watching, you know, I, I don't think anyone should go watch this video before they see the movie. But you should go in. You should just go watch this movie. Yes. I mean, we're not we're, we're barely going into the plot. The plot is insane and yes. fun. But you should just go experience it. Make I sure you got three hours to kill. Yeah. Yes. You have to have three hours. I, I, yeah, me neither. I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of getting to the point, which is, and this is hard with being having a movie podcast. Where I don't want to see trailers at all anymore. Yes, because the trailers are just these many versions of the movie where they just yes. tell you far too much, and you know, it's just not not fun. But the, the the musical number to me is just one of the best musical numbers ever committed to film, and yeah, the guys just go for it so hard. And uh, yes, it, it's it's just a, a a really great scene, and and mm-hmm. and like. The two actors are so different. Yes. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, you, you think it's just two 
you know, giant action heroes, but they're they're so different, and it, it really comes out in scenes like this where you get to see, even though they're doing the same moves, the exact same moves, because yeah. the choreography in these films is as such that they like to do kind of this thing where everyone moves as a unit doing the same stuff. Yes. And you'll see that a lot. But these guys are able to imbue their dance moves with the personalities of their characters. Yes. I guess a lot because a lot of it's just their personality, but it's it's really cool. It really, it really, yes, uh, it really and, shot, shows and, through. And also, it is it is uh, like everything. It is uh, it's part story, of the plot. It's, it's yeah. build story still yeah. story but, based. Yeah, yeah. And in the end, um, it's just there. There has been a a big group of people who are like, Oh, this dance is fun. I want to get in on this dance and everybody's dancing. And then at some point without you even knowing it, it becomes a dance off. People just start falling to the wayside. Beautiful women are giggling. Men are pissed off because they're racist as hell. And they, they can't dance as, as good as these beautiful men. And, um, I, you know, I really don't like plot based movies. Yeah. But in this, every bit of story is character. Yes. You know, Absolutely. so it, it's it's fine for the plot to be insane and labyrinthine and like because every little beat is adds to the character. Yes. Progress, and you get to know the characters more. And that's, you know, that's, that's just a lot of movies are, are, are lacking that. You know, the, I think yes. that's I think, you know, I think that's why I hated Dune so much. I didn't get to know any of the characters. You yes, know? it's not a character movie. You know, and, and I felt like reading those books, I did know the characters. Yes. And they had good actors and stuff. But this movie, you know, I, I think a lot of movies still are they, – they either live or die on the page. And I feel like this movie, despite all its technical prowess, it's that, that works too. These yes. guys – this movie is well-written and well-made. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it can't all be good, John. Can can't it? it? Can't it? <laughs> we must do our low-main low-mens. I will tell you mine. Um, and this is uh, – like most movies that I really like, it's hard, kind of hard to do. But so it is uh, being me being very picky. Um, there is a sort of a kind of sort of romance between Beam and this uh, beautiful British girl played by Olivia Morris. Her name is Jenny. Mm, yes. Um, a kind of sort of that goes back between it kind of back and forth between uh you know, gentle flirtation, and that's about as far as it gets. Um, but it doesn't really go anywhere, which is fine. I guess it doesn't need to go anywhere. She does help him break into the prison to save Rom at the end. That's true. Yes, yes. She gives. She gives. She probably him risks beheading. Oh, I'm sure she does. Yes, I, I think the romance itself doesn't go anywhere. Their their relationship is important, and so that that works for me. That like, okay, without her, he wouldn't have the 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 blueprints for the jail that he needs to break into. But like the the end of their relationship, as far as the movie is concerned, is they hug. Mm-hmm. And that's, but I mean, I guess no one even really kisses that's, in this movie, so maybe a hug is pretty big deal. Yeah, there's some real Denzelish, Denzelish like desexualization things going yes. on. And then also there's a complicated stuff with like the fact that she's a British colonialist and yes. stuff that probably makes it weird, you know? Absolutely. You know, in, in this movie, you know, unlike uh, the Northman, which I mentioned, which is like trying to do tried some straddle some weird like this is a realistic myth building thing where people are still also going to fly into the sky at the end type sure. stuff this one is purely like 
no, this is, you know, majestic, yes. uh, broad strokes storytelling with, Absolutely. with strong characters. Yes. <clears throat> it, it knows what it is, you know. That's yeah. another thing about this movie is it, this movie is very self-assured. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the worst part of this movie, though, John? Um, with the exception of Ray Stevenson, who is such a... I'm very used to all of the uh, English-speaking actors in movies, Bollywood, Tollywood, and Hong Kong movies being pretty subpar. Yes. Being trust-up trust, trust stuntmen a lot. Yes. And for the most part, they are, with the exception of Ray Stevenson, who's completely awesome. Yes. But, yeah, but I, I would say, you know... Um, uh, the the Bond girl from View to a Kill is kind of kind of terrible, yes. <laughs> and, and yes. uh, the you know it, it's just you know I'm really stretching to find things to complain about here. Sure, so that's what I'm going to complain about is the English speaking actors are they are not um, dynamic actor. Like there's there's a couple of heavies who are supposed to be a big deal and supposed to be really intimidating. Yeah, um, and other than Ray Stevenson, uh, they aren't. No, yeah, but. I will say um, the one good thing about them being mostly bad is that when they get inevitably destroyed, you're like, yeah, cool. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad that they got destroyed. I I mean, this this has a lot lot of those like uh, Django Unchained vibes where you're just getting to revisit history. And in this case, you know, you know, you're getting to root for the good guys, as it were. Yes. Historically. Yes. You know, there's there's no reason to be <laughs> enslaving people. So, you know, you can you can get to you can make it uh, uh, black and white as you want, or in this case, white and brown as you'd like. <laughs> yes, yes. And hey, no offense to any of our listeners who are British colonialists, British colonialists, <laughs> members of the Dutch East India Company Trading Company. <laughs> no offense. We're happy to have you as as loyal kill donkeys, but that's just our opinion. We think slavery is bad. I mean, you know, we're not trying to force our politics on you or anything like that. We're not, we're not that kind of guy. Um, uh, John, it has been a pleasure. Oh yeah. Talking about RRR with you. Indeed. Um, And uh, I want to say to all those listening, uh, please follow us on all the things. Uh, We're on Twitter at food court cast. We're on move uh, Instagram at food court movie podcast. You can give us five stars on Spotify. You can give us five stars on Apple podcasts. You can write us a review on Apple podcasts. Those are pretty much all the things you can do, and we want you to do them fast. Tell a friend about how much you love this show, uh, and go see RRR, please, if you can in a theater, just because it is loud as fuck. See it somewhere loud as fuck, where the bass will rumble your balls, or whatever genitals you may have. Load, (laughs) aim, shoot. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) (laughs) On behalf of uh, John Burr, I am Sean Parrott, saying, Bon Appetit. Bon Appetit.